Well, hey everyone, thank you for joining us once again for the Bible no one ever told you about. Now, let me ask you this. What decade did you grow up in? What decade did you grow up in? Because based on that, I know a pet peeve of yours. And here's what I'm talking about. If you grew up as a child in the 90s, a pet peeve was the disc, the CD that just kept skipping. You're trying to listen to one of your favorite songs and it's just, you know, you're getting every third word. If you grew up in the 2000s, it was the bad cell phone signal. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, you're like, oh, cool, we can finally talk, and da 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 and yet you're, the signal's not strong, and you're only getting half the message. If you're later than that, maybe it's streaming. You're like, guys, we can finally watch this movie online, and a bad connection leads you to where you're like, it stops, and it pauses, and you're only getting so much. In fact, this happened to me the other day where, I know this is a first world problem, but it's still incredibly annoying. I was trying to talk to my wife while I was driving. Now, I granted, she called me and I clicked a button on my steering wheel, and that should be in of itself kind of amazing that I'm able to start having a conversation with somebody else while driving by just simply pushing a button. But I wa uh, as I was going through this neighborhood driving, I hit a couple dead spots, and so she was trying to tell me something, and I'm only getting half the message. Depending on when you grew up, you know what I'm talking about. There's always been some sort of something in technology where you're like, if it worked good and I got the entire thing, that would be awesome. But only getting half or only getting a third or only getting three-fourths of it makes it so that things are really, really annoying. All right, now why do I bring this up? Why did I ask you about that? Because here's the deal. I find that for a lot of us, that is the relationship we have with this word that we call the gospel. We know parts of it. We know pieces of it. If you've been around church long enough, you're like, okay, you know, you, you start to connect some dots. But what I find is that a lot of people have half of it. They have three-fourths of it. They have just enough of it to where they're like, I kind of think I can follow this conversation. But no one's ever sat down and been, okay, let me explain the whole thing to you. And so what I'm going to do, and this honestly kind of tag teams off of what Matt preached about last week. So if you haven't watched that one yet, I'd honestly say, hey, pause this one, go back and watch that one because we're diving into the same text and, we're, and what I'm doing is really just kind of building off of what he did last week. But what we're going to do today is we're going to jump back into the Colossians chapter one and we're going to examine what is the full actual gospel without any skips, without any bad connections, without any, I'm only getting part of it, what does it look like to have the full and complete gospel? And so we're going to dive right back in, Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15, and this is what it says. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, talking about Jesus here. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Still talking about Jesus. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Keep coming with me, because this is where words are starting to get really, really, really good. 
Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel you have heard and that you've been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Boom! That is a really long passage of scripture and almost every single sentence, every single phrase, every single word is packed with meaning. And instead of trying to go for that, like by that line by line or word for word, which would honestly, we could spend months doing that and it'd be really fun. But for the sake of time today, I want to sum all of that up and say, okay, what is the gospel? What is the full and complete gospel? And if we were to take that entire passage and sum it up, here is what the gospel is, the full and complete gospel. The gospel is that God himself came to rescue and renew all of creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, <clears throat> I said at the beginning that a lot of us have had like what I'd call like the dropped call version of the gospel or the skipping CD version of the gospel. And what a lot of us have heard is that the gospel is believe in Jesus and you'll go to heaven when you die. That's part of it. Sure, absolutely. But the full and complete gospel is so much bigger, so much grander, and so much more worth giving your life to than just believe in Jesus, go to heaven when you die. And what we're going to do is we're going to, what we're going to do today is we're going to unpack. Remember, this is the Bible no one's ever told you about. We're going to unpack all of the implications, well, not all, but some of the implications of what does it mean to fully live into the gospel and believe it and live it out in your life. And there's really three things that happen. One, when you, when you have the full embrace of the gospel, there's three implications for your life. You have a rescued and renewed identity. You have a rescued and renewed allegiance. And you have a rescued and renewed purpose. Let's just break those down. Let's just start with identity. See, what the gospel does, and this picture actually illustrates it really good, is you are rescued from this idea that you're loved because you perform, and you're renewed into this identity, I'm loved because I exist. Let me, let me explain it this way. Almost everyone, over time, because of the way we grow up, we grow up in a broken world, we grow up in, a, in broken families, broken systems, stuff like that, we start to believe that in order to be loved, you have to be good at something. I'm valuable because I blank. And whatever you put into that blank is what you've built your identity on. I'm valuable because I'm great at my job. I'm valuable because I'm a good mother. I'm valuable because I do this super well. You put something into that blank. And what the gospel rescues us from is the need to put anything into that blank. You're not loved because you, you're just simply loved. The good news of Jesus is that he came to tell us about us. Hey, hey, because you exist, you are loved. I mean, think about this. We, we understand this intuitively on some levels. Have you ever gone to someone who's just had a new child? They've just had a new baby. And they're telling, and they're like, they're telling you, oh, man, I love him so much or I love her so much. Do you, you don't ever look at me like, well, why? Why do you love the kid? Like, the kid, kids can't do anything. They're not like, you don't ask a new parent why they love their kid. Or if a family's just adopted a new child in their family, you're like, well, what, what can they do? How are they helping you out? How are they making the family better? No, you understand that instinctively, this child who honestly can't do anything is fully loved, not because of what they can do, but simply because they exist. And that is the way that Jesus and God look at 
us. The foundational part of the gospel is that, of your identity is that you are loved, period. Whether you're good at stuff, whether you're bad at stuff. Whether you're like climbing the corporate ladder or you keep kick, getting kicked down a few notches and getting fired. Whether you are the best baking mom, PTA, whatever. Or whether you're like, I don't want kids, I never want kids and get those kids away from me. Does not matter, you are loved. You do not have to perform in order to be loved. Which honestly leads us into the second thing. We have a rescued and renewed allegiance. See, as we grow up outside of Jesus and outside of the gospel, we believe that we have to perform in order to be loved. So then we start to build everything around, well, what is this good for? Is, it, is this good for me? And we start to place ourselves in the kingdom of me. Does this help me get ahead? Does this help me get what I want? And even almost unconsciously, we become selfish people because we start to view everything through the lens of, I got to get mine, I need mine, and maybe you extend it a little bit, maybe you extend it to me, I got to get stuff for my family, etc. But you view everything through the lens of, well, if no one else is going to love me and take care of me, or if I've got to be, if I've got to perform to be loved, then it's got to be about me. And then what the gospel does for us is we can start, we can start with somebody saying, hey, no, 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 I'm, I'm loved no matter what. So I can move from this kingdom of me into what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. Think about it this way. If you've ever traveled, traveled internationally and gone into a different country, you realize that things are done differently there. Maybe they drive on the other side of the road. Maybe there's certain customs or practices that you're like, okay, we don't do that here. But there are things that are done differently there. In the kingdom of God, it's like moving into a different country. You have to start unlearning the ways of selfishness and learning this new culture, this new language, this new way of living that says, okay, I don't have to keep worrying all about me because as I live into what God has for me, my life will change. I honestly could talk about this a lot more, but Matt did such a bang up job of it last week that if you want to know more about what does it look like to live under the authority and lordship of Jesus, go watch last week because he does a great job just spelling this out over and over again. But basically the second part of this is that your allegiance switches from me to God. And then the third thing is not only do we have a rescued and renewed uh, identity, a rescued and renewed allegiance, but we now have a rescued and renewed purpose. See, most of us are trying to figure out, and if you talk to anybody between the ages of 15 and 35, they usually, this, this question comes up often. What is my purpose? What is my, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? You know, I tried this job and I didn't really like it or everyone else in my family does this and I don't even really want to do that. And we spend so much time worrying, trying to figure out, okay, what is the unique contribution that I'm supposed to play? And outside of the gospel, this can be a paralyzing, this can be a paralyzing decision. This can be a paralyzing quest to go on because you're like, what if I get it wrong? What if I'm, what if I'm pursuing this and I never find my purpose or I, I don't know how to discern my purpose? But what the gospel does is it rescues us from an inward focus. What about me? And it renews us into an outward focus. How can I help others? See, if you spend the rest of your life helping others, you have fulfilled your purpose. If you spend the rest of your life helping others and you're not very good at it, you've still fulfilled your purpose. If you spend the rest of your life focused on others and trying to love them well, once again, what did we say about the beginning about identity? It's not about how successful you are. And when you live as a loved person in the kingdom of God, all you have to do to fulfill life's grand purpose 
is simply love others well. When Jesus said that the two most important commandments were to love God and love others, he wasn't just trying to spin some, well, that'll be, that'll be really cool on a coffee cup, or that's some great idea to throw on a bumper sticker. No, he's like, no, 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 no. Guys, this is, the, this is the secret keys to life. This is the way the universe is designed to run. When you love God and when you love others, you are living into the fullness of the gospel. This is how you find what life is all about. This is how you find out what the good life really is. It is a life where you stop taking the focus on yourself. And I'm not saying that you never have a day to yourself or you never take it. You know, we talk about that when we talk about Sabbath, when we talk about rest. But what we're saying is that your purpose in life is not found looking at you. Your purpose in life is found looking at God and then loving others. Now, let me say this real quick. We have at this moment in time an extremely unique opportunity that does not come along all the time. The gospel is always true. The gospel always works. But there are moments in time in a society and in a culture where people's receptivity to it is greater. See, as we all know, we are walking out of the back end of the last 18 months of craziness. We are walking out of a global pandemic. And what we have seen over the past 18 months is that people are so confused, they're so hurt, they're so lost about everything that they thought that they could rely on has either turned out to not be there, it, it didn't go the way they expected. No one looks at the past 18 months and goes, yep, I predicted all of that three years ago. No one looks at the past 18 months and goes, yeah, everything planned played out exactly as I thought it would. No, we are in a moment in time where people are looking for opportunities to find answers. Where the, the people are looking for places where it's like, okay, where am I actually loved? I thought my job was gonna be the thing and then it went away. I thought my way of life was gonna continue to go the way that it was and then all of a sudden everything got upended. People are anxious, people are confused. People are wondering what is life going to be like? And the gospel has the very things they're looking for. How many people do you know that desperately need to know they are loved without question? How many people do you know that are like trying to figure out, okay, how do I, I want life to be better, but it's not working. And they need to simply know, like, hey, yeah, because you keep making life all about you. There's a different way of life that's found when you follow Jesus. And through that, things will change and get better. Let me ask you this. Do you guys remember the classic, 1980s movie Footloose. In that movie, dancing was outlawed and forbidden as, you know, because that leads to all kinds of crazy badness. And I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you, but honestly, the movie's been remade and it's almost 40 years old. So if you haven't seen it at this point, I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong here. But of course, eventually the hero of the movie, Kevin Bacon, rallies the town and through a series of really weird and random things, changes the town's mind about can dancing be allowed and finally the, the the guy that was most opposed to it the town pastor he relents and he allows the high school students to have a prom and then there's this scene where everyone's getting ready you know they're so excited this hasn't the, the opportunity hasn't been around for years and they get dressed and they put on their clothes and they get the music and they get the decorations and they 
I don't know if it's like a barn or a, a what it is that they decorate, but they get everything ready to have a prom. And then it cuts to the scene of everyone just standing around waiting for someone to make the first move. They're scared. They know they can dance. They've been given the freedom to dance. They've been given the permission to dance. They have everything they need for the dance. They've got the music, the clothes, the DJ, or whatever. Stuff like that. And everyone's just looking around, waiting for somebody to move. They're scared. I don't, I don't want to go. You should go. You know. And so finally, since he's the hero of the movie, Kevin Bacon comes and he starts to dance. And then it's a slow dance. And him and his girl dance. And then he goes outside and has this really, really random fight with some town bullies. And he comes back and he's like, guys, this is supposed to be a party. Let's dance. And then miraculously, everyone starts dancing. And the movie ends on such a happy high note. Okay, why did I tell you this story? Why bring this up? I, some of you guys are ahead of me. You, you get the idea. The whole world is waiting for someone to step in and say, guys, this is what life looks like. You are free. You are freer than you've ever even known. And there's a way of life that's built on love and it's under the following and lordship of Jesus. And when we live this way, it is a party worth experiencing. The world is waiting. All we have to do is step into the moment that has been presented to us and live lives of love for the sake of the world around us who so desperately wants it and needs it and maybe doesn't even know it. And so the question I want to leave you with today is where do you need renewal? Where do you need to experience renewal? Because most of the time when we hear that question, we think, what in my own life needs renewal? But the gospel is bigger than just me. Remember, we talked about this. You have a rescued and renewed identity. You have a rescued and renewed allegiance. And you have a rescued and renewed purpose. Some of us definitely need to know that we are loved beyond anything. A lot of us need to start living under the lordship of Jesus and putting our life under the kingdom of God. And I would say even probably a greater percentage of us need to start having renewal in the idea that our purpose is not to look inward. Our purpose is to look outward and to love others well. Some of the greatest renewal that we'll probably experience over the next season will be in what we do for others and how we bring God's love to them. Remember, this is not about how good you are or how well you perform. This is about saying, I am loved and other people need to know that as well. So where do you need to experience renewal? As we go back to weekly services, as we enter into the season where we're relaunching momentum, my challenge to you is to embrace the full gospel without skips, without omissions, without any type of interference. Embrace the full gospel, live it out, and see how the world around you becomes better and brighter. Love you guys, and we'll talk to you next week.